Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Wing Cup has one hand on the trophy. Yeah, hey, all sorts of stuff have come out in the papers the last week. All complete dribble. Um, everyone's sort of trying to get me off my guard and probably got nothing else better to do. Moffat shrugs off Bugs' comments. Look, for him to sort of come out and make those comments, uh, I guess it just really shows how unprofessional he is. And Stevie J meets Stevie J. He's got a great name, so um, I think he's number two. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Rick Kelly has demonstrated some of the best wet weather driving in the toughest conditions possible on Saturday at Sandown, saying it was a great win. Stoked with the guys, the job the, job the guys have done, I should say, to provide uh, both Todd and I with the, the cars they did today. They were outstanding in the wet, untouchable, and um, we make a few improvements to them in the dry. We hopefully one day we'll get them the same. Toll Holden Racing Team's James Courtney talked about the conditions. Freaking pretty sketchy there. While it's uh, massive aquaplaning, I couldn't see where I was going. I think Todd probably would have been similar to me, and and um, just driving off the rain light in front of you. But um, you know, it's good in the end. Managed to carve through some guys. Had a bit of a run with Rick, the first safety car all together. The second and and third one, he was able to jump away pretty good. His car was pretty good straight off the off the uh, safety cars. Well, Todd Kelly said he had a great wet weather car. Um, absolutely wrapped with the car, and if uh, if it had been a little bit better qualifying run, we'd probably both be here with blood noses and black eyes, maybe, because <laughs> um, we would have uh, would have been right up there. So. Sunday and Jamie Winker bounced back with a dominant win that could have secured his third championship in four years. We won't get too far ahead of ourselves. It's still uh, still not over yet. We've got a one. It's such a long year, but uh, we're still another fortnight to go. Roland Dane, director of Team Vodafone, praised the performance of Winker. I think you saw today that probably the top five guys in the championship finishing in the top five positions in terms of talent. So for Jamie to be ahead of them on such a regular basis, an outstanding effort. FBR took the final two spots on the podium with Winterbottom, satisfied with the result. Yeah, we're not far off. We definitely made massive inroads on on our car speed and performance and um, you know, second and third and PD was quick as well. We've, we've come a long way. A late race pass by Will Davison on Craig Lowndes locked up third. Davison with a very different strategy. It was a tough situation to manage. Um, certainly I felt like I had quite good speed for a while there, but I couldn't quite use it. Um, but then we still just dropped off a bit too much on the tie life side of things. But uh, huge improvement from what we've seen. Wing Cup now only needs 112 points to lock up the championship. But he's already secured a record that can't be beaten. He has guaranteed himself a top two finish in all of the past five years. 
Triple Eight is also looking to wrap up the Fujitsu series with Andrew Thompson taking another win at Sandown. Thompson only needs a 12th place finish or better in one of the two Sydney races to secure the title. Dave Russell told the V8 Insiders that his chance to win the championship will involve some troubles for the monster driver. Mathematically, there's a chance that I can still win the championship, but Andrew Thompson would have to DNF, pretty much DNF both races at, um, at Sydney, and I'd have to have a result where you know I'm top five in both races um, for that to occur. So the likelihood of that is, um, is not very high. Jack Perkins finished second on the weekend, while Chad Mosard, in his test for FPR, finished third. Fair Supercars have announced some changes to the 500 format when it moves to Sandown, with the qualifying races changed so that the finishing order of the first race is the starting order of the second race. The finishing of the second race will be the starting lineup for Sunday. There'll be no points for these races, and co-drivers have to start on Sunday. Rod Nash announced that Bottolo will be staying with the team for the next three years at Sandown. I think... Uh realistically it's great for the business because uh, that's what this is all about Um, the collective teams um, being able to uh, support what they do but uh, but it's companies like this that are quite large and don't hand over deals and money very easily so it's not uh, directly the race teams that sell themselves it's actually the overall business Nash also confirmed that he's interested in one driver in particular who's currently under contract. Yeah, there, there are a number of drivers out there, um, one in particular we're interested in, but he's currently tied up. Well, man coming out of contract is Warren Luff, and he's announced that he will not be with Lucas Dumbrell Motorsports in 2012, while Gulf Western Oils has also said they won't be renewing their involvement with the team at the end of the year. And finally, Steve Johnson took Steve Johnson for a ride at Sandown in the Jim Beam Falcon. No, you're not hearing double. The Geelong Premiership player, Steve Johnson, was amazed with the ride. Feels like you're almost going to tip when you go over those um, those curves, but um, yeah, yeah, I could do that all day, like I said. Now the question is, which is the number one Johnson? Uh, definitely number two in football. <laughs> number two in footy, but uh, in golf we're pretty tight. After the break on the Van Insiders, James Moffat looks back at Sandown in his rookie year. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. James Moffat joins us as his rookie year was at Sandown last weekend. And James, uh, you certainly got some headlines on Saturday night. It was a very interesting race, probably the worst conditions you might have ever driven in. Yeah, certainly, Craig. The uh, the conditions that we were dealt with on uh, on Saturday were pretty treacherous, to say the least. 
I thought that the conditions earlier in the year, Hamilton on on the Saturday where it was wet was pretty bad, but uh, they were by far the worst conditions I've ever driven in, and uh, you know at times definitely could not see anything. So uh, looking at the uh, side windows more than I was uh, at the front windscreen at times just to try and get some markings of where I was on the track, to be honest, especially um, down in front of the grandstand on the front straight. So. yeah, not not uh, the best conditions, but uh, anyway, we pressed on, and unfortunately, we didn't have the best day, but uh, it wasn't looking too bad um, until uh, we got hit off by um, by Jonathan Webb, who actually got hit by Steve Owen, so uh, maybe it was sort of the meat in the sandwich, but uh, anyway, disappointing. What did you think of Barg's comments uh, calling for uh, some sort of sanctions towards you? Oh, I didn't really take too much notice of it, Craig, I certainly didn't lose any sleep over it you know the incident we had uh was unfortunate for them and you know, i probably felt bad for the bjr guys because they had to repair his car but i certainly didn't feel bad for Bagwana because uh you know there were two people involved in that accident and really from where i was uh there wouldn't have been an accident if he actually given had, had given me some racing room across the top uh of the hill there so it's one of those deals that we don't race to different rules in the wet than we do in the dry and uh he just didn't give me give me any room, turned across the front of me where I had nowhere to go. So, uh, look, for him to sort of come out and make those comments, uh, I guess it just really shows how unprofessional he is. And, you know, I'm not, not going to get into a slanging match with him because, uh, you know, if, if it had been somebody like Craig Lowndes or, or Garth Kander making those comments, you know, I'd probably sit back and take notice. But uh, coming from Jason Barguana, you know, I don't think uh, it holds much merit. Now your focus is, of course, on to Homebush in a few weeks' time. And uh, what do you look at to finish the year and to, to say it was a bit surreal in your pits on Friday when you had Steve Johnson taking Steve Johnson for a drive around the track? Yeah, exactly right. The uh, Yes, Steve, uh, Steve Johnson, the race car driver, took Steve Johnson, the, the Geelong football player, premiership player, for, for a drive. So... Uh, there were plenty of Stevie J's kicking around in our garage on Friday, but, you know, uh, it was good to see uh, Steve Johnson, the footballer, um, out there on the weekend. Being a part of this year, and hopefully I can be a part of it for many years to come. How close is uh, David to putting a contract in front of you for next year? Oh, look, uh, everything's pretty well sorted, to be honest, Craig. It's just uh, a few formalities have to be put in place, but uh, I don't see, see us going anywhere for next year. That's uh, good because you'll have that consistency where you're going back to tracks and you're going there with equipment that you know and understand. Yeah, exactly right. So that's what we want to obviously work on for next year. I think uh, we've proven that when we can get the car working well, we can um, run run up the front of the field with with the fast guys. We've just got to make sure that we um, you know we do that more often than not next year. Certainly, the back half of the year has been uh, a bit hit and miss for us with uh, setup and a few other issues. But uh, I, I know the team's doing everything they can to uh, have a good budget in place, probably a stronger budget than what they've had in place for the last couple of years. So that should only improve um, the performance of the team. And, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to being a part of that. Mm, and after two races at Homebush, we can't call you a rookie anymore. No, exactly right. So. Uh, Anyway, that, that was always going to be the case, but uh, hopefully we can have two good, strong runs at Homebush and, and finish the year on a good note. Well, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you and look forward to talking to you over there at Homebush. Thanks very much, Craig. Cheers. 
The roundtable is up next here on the V8 Insiders. Gordon Lomas and Ben Beasley will join me. I hope you stay with us. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from the V8 Supercar TV News, it is Ben Beasley. Good evening, Ben. G'day, Craig. How are you going? I'm very well, and uh, of course, the author of V8 Supercar's official history is Gordon Lomas. And Gordo, it's great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me, Craig. Guys, interesting couple of weeks, but Sandown in particular. Last Sandown sprint race before we go back to the 500. And, Ben, it was a very different couple of days in racing terms with rain absolutely decimating the place on Saturday. And then, uh, well, normal, normal service was resumed when Jamie Wincup took it all out on Sunday. Pretty much you summed it up right there. The the weather on Saturday was was just atrocious to the extreme in terms of how wet it was on friday we had practice and it was very very warm and really blustery so the conditions were changing every single day they actually went into saturday expecting that it was going to be wet and they they really really got it the big thing was that uh, jamie did struggle in the wet ultimately uh, he said after the race that he just had no grip and put that down to when they, in his pit stop that they didn't change tyres and that at the end, especially in the last probably dozen laps, he just really struggled with very little grip. The guys who did change the tyres obviously came through the field, um, but way up front, of all of them, and, and a guy who's become a bit of a rainmaster is Rick Kelly, who, who easily not only won the race but really controlled the race throughout and his brother Todd coming through for third, so a super day for them. Jamie finishing back in the teens, Craig coming from 27th up to 6th, one of the, the great drives of what he can do. But then on Sunday, the sun was shining, and it was all back to Wing Cup once again, qualified on pole. He really did what Rick did in the wet on the Saturday, but he did it on the Sunday in the dry, led the race and controlled things throughout, and uh, really put a, a big, uh, extended his buffer back out over Craig, who finished uh, in fourth position. Mm. Gordon, the wet weather probably made it one of the, if not the, one of the most fascinating races of this year and possibly the last four or five years. Yeah, look, um, I think uh, Ben sort of uh, sums up quite well. I don't know what more I can add to it, but um, but certainly Rick Kelly's drive in the in the wet was one of the great drives. I, I think. Um, you know, the fans will, will ever see. Um, it, it reminded me of when he really hit his mark for, as a full-time driver, you know, almost 10 years ago now at Eastern Creek in the wet, if, if you remember. Um, you know, he was, he was you know, really announced himself that day as uh, a driver with special qualities. And, um, and again, you know, he, he confirmed that uh, in the wet um, on uh, Saturday at Sandown where, where he was really in a league of his own. And, uh, you know, people sort of t- talk about the drive of Craig Lowndes. Well, you know, that was, that was you know, fantastic. But uh, we all expect, you know, Craig to do that with, you know, the machinery that's, that's underneath him to sort of make, uh, 
make up that much ground in the field. But uh, Rick, boy, you know, didn't put a didn't put a wheel wrong in uh, in conditions with, with, that were just diabolical, and uh, you know, which throws up another issue in that um, you know we haven't got monsoon ties in this category, and perhaps uh, you know, in conditions like that, the intermediates weren't uh, weren't quite up to scratch. Ben, it's an interesting one because we do see a lot of rain on the Gold Coast over the years where it is monsoonal type weather. But I guess one thing is the cost of having uh, a dry or two dries, an intermediate and then a full-on wet when you only need them once every pancake day. Yeah, I think the other tricky thing is at Sandown is that the track conditions, uh, there's, there's been bits and pieces of resurfacing, but even within that resurfacing, there's probably two or three different types of asphalt around the circuit and you had a situation especially um, after turn one which is at the end of a section of the horse racing sec- of um, track in the middle where it's a little bit banked and it was like a river coming across there so that was really really tough and and just the, the full wet weather of what it was it was teeming down you can see it on the television what it was like but to actually be there you wouldn't even go outside you know to even stand under an umbrella it was that wet and just very very difficult the the tire issue is i think what they really would like now is you know probably yeah, you've still got a um a, a a tread pattern in a in a wet weather tire like they do but now they're sort of saying maybe that tire is just a, was a little bit too too hard you know and what they tried what they were trying to do with the old control tire in terms of a slick tyre, was for all conditions. And now, like you say, they've introduced a, a softer tyre for better racing and that you know, maybe they should just look at a slightly different compound. I don't think the, the tread pattern is so much the issue, but certainly the compound in, in that tyre needs to maybe be a little bit softer for those really, 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 really wet conditions, mm. which, like you say, yeah, we've seen it at Sandown, but it can happen on the Gold Coast and a couple of other places. Thank God it happened at a track like Sandown where if you were going to go off, a lot of people were going across the sand trap or across the grass in a street race. I really think they wouldn't have been able to race at all in those conditions. Mm, it's, a, it's a good point that we were on a, a natural course, Gordo, and uh, whilst the, se- the series moves for economic reasons more and more to inner-city street tracks, the series would have to guarantee that they can put racing on in all conditions, wouldn't they? I would think so. Um, I would. I would certainly think so. And uh, you know, um, it's not. You know, it's not going to be forever and a day that we're going to be running on these artificial street tracks. Uh, you know, it might be the uh, flavour of the flavour of the time right now. But um, you know, who's to say that we're going to have as many street tracks in five, ten years' time when governments uh, may not be, uh, you know, as obliging as they are now to uh, to motor racing. Mm. Well, it's time for Gas and Go on the V8 Insiders. Gas and Go brought to you by V8X Magazine. Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. First to you, Ben Beasley. The Fujitsu Series has been an interesting one. It's getting a new sponsor next year and they're talking about not running the reverse grid race. Isn't that the sort of crash fest that makes this interesting? Yeah, but I can I can sympathise with them because they're the guys who probably don't have as much money as the main series guys to, to tear cars up. And Jack Perkins was making that point after Sunday's race that, you know, reverse grid racing, you know, when you've got pretty high quality, I guess in the first half dozen, maybe eight cars, but then if you put a couple of guys in the next group down off the front, 
it's probably not right. And it's really not right that people are trying to then finish in 10th. It's not so much the guys who are 11th, 12th, 13th trying to make it to 10th. It's the guys from 6th position back almost trying to lose spots to go back to 10th to start off the front of the grid. That's, that's not really right. But also what Jack was saying was let's, he believes the best races are the weekends when they have two races, not three. Actually gives them more kilometres racing kilometres in those two races you know it might be going from a 15 lap race up to 22 or 23 laps perhaps and that's closer to um, a single stint in a regular V8 supercar race which is what they would experience as an endurance driver doing um, three shorter races isn't really conducive to what you're going to experience if you make it into V8 supercars full time so let's get it a little bit closer to that and also the idea of you know everybody gets a trophy for every race which is the same in the main series so if you win uh, you know they look at it and if it's six six rounds in the Fujitsu series there's only six winners in the year you could you can plug that up to 12 winners or 14 winners depending on how many rounds they run that's that's a lot better show to to showcase of how many people are winning races and also it gives the opportunity for more drivers to win races mm, Ben Beasley trying to take on Gordos and uh Mark Fogarty's record for Gas and Go. Gordon? <laughs> Gordo? Yeah, sorry. Um, I'll, I'll be a little bit shorter than that. Um, yeah, look, I, I certainly think that um, uh, reverse grid races are, uh, you know, in, in team land, it's, uh, it's not a good thing. I mean, the guys who pay the bills, uh, you know, uh, cringe every time, uh, every time there's, you know... Um, that the grids are turned around and uh, and um, it upsets the apple cart and uh, you know um, it all goes to hell in a handcart. So uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think that's a good thing getting getting rid of those and um, and and just you know putting on a better show um, you know with you know with uh, with a couple of races is probably the way to go. I would think. Gordo, Warren Luffs jumped off the uh, LDM Titanic a day before Gulf Western Oils. What hope for Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport in the future? Um, yeah, I, look, um, it, it's, it's an interesting one, that one. Uh, I, I'm not really up to speed with, uh, with what those guys, uh, where, where they're at in terms of, uh, you know, uh, going forward in the future, but uh, it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see what transpires. They've, they've really battled hard, one car team, you know, really, really up against the elements, uh, so to speak. And, um, uh, you know, they, the results, uh, and, and they admit it, um, they had targets this year. They, they didn't really meet, uh, um, any, you know, many of those, um, you know, uh, at all. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year. Ben? It's just too hard for single-car teams now. That's the bottom line. You have a look at the single-car teams that are true single-car teams. On their day, when everything's working for them and, 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 and the sun is shining and all that sort of stuff, they can have a good show. That car, I think Warren qualified it in 11th on Saturday, but they went backwards and they, they struggled. But for the way forward for that team, they're going to have to join up with, uh, with a really good you know, multi-car team, become part of a multi-car operation, uh, enjoy the benefits of not just the uh, financial benefits of being part of a multi-car team, but the technical alliance, which is going to be everything, especially heading to the car of the future. Interesting, Benny. We've seen a lot more honesty from drivers. The latest, Alec Davison, talking about he's sick of brain-dead bloody idiots crashing into him. 
<laughs> it's it's uh, the last few weeks. So I think Paul Dumbrell uh, opened up a can of worms a little bit. Also, Tony Cochran made the he addressed the drivers at Phillip Island, told them to be a little bit more honest, and now they are being a little bit more honest. It's creating a lot of headlines, and at a time when you know we need some headlines because. Jamie Winkup and the Team Vodafone guys dominate so much. We need to have some people battling, some people, you know, talking about what they think of others. And there's some guys in the middle of the pack who are doing good jobs, and there's other guys who are just uh, always in, the, in amongst the thick of it. And uh, a few of the drivers are letting everybody know that uh, one or two bumps here and there is what you see on TV, but it's the 10 that we're missing because we don't see them all the time. And uh, they're now letting them know what they think of each other. Got it. Yeah, look, I think um, I think anyone uh, an, anyone that's involved in uh, in competition sport uh, should be allowed to speak their mind. Um, you know, whether it be uh, motor racing, cricket, football, or whatever. Um, so uh, so more power to them, and uh, and uh, those who uh, those who want to keep it all sanitised, well, you know, the fans and uh, and uh, and the general public don't don't really want to see uh, see all the airy fairy stuff. They want to see uh, exactly black and you know what's People putting it in black and white, and uh, and saying you know really how it is. You know, Bargs had a good go at Moffat on the weekend, and uh, and and Dumbrell with uh, you know with his comments about Van Gisbergen. So uh, you know, I mean, we saw it uh, a few years ago when Wayne Caddick addressed the uh, the team's drivers and uh, and the media uh, in Darwin. And said, "Look, guys, gloves are off. You know, uh, if you if you want to call someone a, a nitwit, well, you know, go for it. So, uh, you know, providing uh, you know there's no defamation of character, I think uh, more power to them." Mm. Now, Gordo, the team's championships been wrapped up by Team Vodafone. Does anyone outside of the team care? Well, possibly not, but um, you know, it just just shows how dominant and how professional and uh, and how on the game those guys are uh, to, to just keep doing it, you know. I mean, uh, they've been really the, you know, the dominant team, even though Jamie's uh, only won two two championships, when I say only, um, in, in, you know, sort of the last five years, five, six years, they've been the dominant team and, and yet they've only won two drivers' championships um, but uh, and also, uh, you know, a string of Bathurst, I think they've won won four, uh, four Bathurst in that period. Um, so, you know, not surprising that they're, they're still on top. But what is surprising is the factory teams, you know, Ford and Holden. Um, uh, they, they've, you know, really struggled against the might of Team Vodafone. So uh, it's really uh, now it's, uh, it's up to the guys, you know, the guys who fly the factory flag for the red team for the red side and the blue side to to really pick clean up their act and uh, and start becoming competitive. Mm. Now we've got a interesting situation. Oh Ben, your thoughts. Well, I think the interesting thing about that is is that they've won the team's championship again, but they're one two in the championship which they haven't done before and that's 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 a pretty amazing stat. The only times they really it would have been interesting if they somehow, if we, in a NASCAR model where they could have pitted those cars at the same time in separate separate pit, pit areas where they all always would have ended up, that the dominance would have been more so because so many times this year they had to back-to-back pit, which gave, them, gave one of the cars spots away. The other thing, too, is how many bad events did they have in succession. I, I really can't think of it. If they had a bad event, they just bounce back at the next one. They don't go through these big troughs and, and that sort of stuff. It, it is lots and lots of peaks, 
a, a little minor valley <laughs> and peaks again. So yeah, they're doing a fantastic job. They're just so well drilled. Any mistake that they make, you can bet that it is so overanalyzed almost back at the workshop and it never happens twice. Mm. Ben, are we going to see Wilson Security Racing make their move to what their fourth or is it fifth team now in six years? They just never seem to build a relationship that lasts. Yeah, the, the talk is that um, with Fabian Coulthard going to the Brad Jones Racing Operation that possibly, it hasn't been announced, possibly that that's where Wilson Security Racing will go. They've been with um, uh, Fabian before, in t- back in the Paul Crookshank days, and there was an association there, and they've sort of held on a bit of an association as well in the last few years. So, so that is there. The thing is, this year they've been with the um, Dalberto team, and look, if it's all about results, uh, yeah, they they might want to look at moving, but you know, the good the the relationships obviously have to be built over a period of time. They've been great for the sport. They've been in the sport for quite a few years. It would be nice to see them stick together with uh, with one operation for a little while and build some success if they think that moving once again this year and then looking at doing that anyway in terms of maybe going with Fabian or whoever and doing that is the way to go, then maybe that will work. But, I mean, uh, it hasn't been announced yet. Uh, I think we're all just speculating, but I guess there's a few options. And when they and when a sponsor has options, of course, they're going to look around. Mm. Of course, uh, Gordon, there was a lot of talk that Bright was going to take Wilson when he merged Brightech into the Brad Jones Racing Fold, and it was a surprise when they went to Diaberta. Yeah, yeah. Look, I I think um, you know, uh, as Ben said, it's not confirmed yet, but that's looking the more likely scenario is that um, uh, Wilson uh, follows. Uh, Fabian to um, to Brad Jones Racing. So, uh, you know, again, it, we're talking about speculative things here and um, I'm not going to sort of elaborate any more than uh, what's out there at the moment. Mm. That's Gas and Go for another week on the V8 Insiders. Gas and Go is brought to you by the V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Ben Beasley and Gordon Lomas will join me after the break as we continue on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Gordon Lomas and Ben Beasley joining me, Craig Ravel. And guys, uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts. The talk of the Sandown 500 returning has been at the forefront of everyone's mind, particularly with Sandown last weekend. But they have announced today that they're not going to the Phillip Island format being refitted into the Sandown circuit, Ben. No, and it's probably a good thing because you went through this bit of a... uh, to be honest, a confusing way of qualifying cars and, and putting guys into cars on the Saturday to give them races and time, which then set the grid for Sunday, which is what it was all about. What they haven't really confirmed or denied yet is if they're going to pay some points for Saturday because you were scoring points on Saturday and then 
you know, uh, that was also going on to your points on Sunday for wherever you finished in the race. It was all a bit confusing. You had two races on Saturday, two qualifying sessions for two separate drivers, and then in one of those races you had to have a pit stop. So by the end of it, the car when it finished on the Saturday, although this year uh, Will Davison and, and Luke Yulden uh, took the chequered flag in the second race and they said, yeah, they're going to start off pole. Behind that, it didn't make sense. You didn't know who was going to actually end up where. So what they've now decided is is one qualifying session, I think they were basically saying the co-drivers start the race and either driver can qualify it. Co-drivers start the race where they finish in that first race, sets the grid for the second race on the Saturday, they race through, and then wherever they finish there, that's the grid on Sunday. So wherever you finish ultimately is where you're going to start and that just makes so much more sense. Is this still too hard for your part-time race fan, Gordo? Oh, look, I think for the general viewer um, who who doesn't go to the go to the race meetings like um, you know we all do, uh, um, you know, t- talking on this show, um, I, th- I think uh, it's got to be simplified. The, the Phillip Island thing is far too confusing for those outside the industry, and uh, and I'm you know all for uh, going back to Sandown 500. Uh, I'm all about tradition, and uh, couldn't couldn't take it back quick enough for me. Mm. It is an interesting problem to have when you have an event like the Sandown 500, which is an icon, and everyone just expects it to be before Bathurst. And I can't remember how many years we've been to Phillip Island now, Ben, but uh, everyone keeps going, oh, they're at Sandown this weekend. No, it's Phillip Island. What happened to Sandown? It's it's even when the drivers talk about, oh, you know, the Enduros and Sandown. I mean, Phillip Island, it was like that all the time, you know. They, they, They even... Think of if, even if you said the word the five hundred before the thousand, people would always expect you were talking about Sandown anyway, even though we'd been racing at Phillip Island. Mm. But it was one of those deals where they V eight supercars, Gordon, were trying to make a statement, were trying to get some change, and uh, well, they had to put in like a circuit breaker to get that change they wanted. Um, yeah, look, uh, yeah, certainly, I, I think. Um you know, I think they uh, they had to uh, in some respects. So, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the other thing about Sandown, I, I, I've got to make a point, is that um, you know it's a it's it's the only suburban racetrack in this country, um, and and just happens to be in the second biggest city in in Australia. And uh, and it's you know the, the, you've got a, a massive amount of people like right there. So. Um, and you know, in September it's footy finals time, so you can you know you can go to your footy finals and and, and go to the motor racing at the same time. You can't do that at Phillip Island; it's too far away. Mm. And the grand finals, Ben, at Phillip Island works very successful race meetings. The city of uh, Cows or the town of Cows was alive on each of those race meeting weekends, and. We saw some pretty good sprint races there and, of course, everyone will remember the crash first that cost Craig Lowndes a championship, but even the other years were quite solid and had a good support. Yeah, they do, and they're moving the race next year to to May, which, wow, it might be a little bit more chilly there, <laughs> but uh, it's still it's a great racetrack and uh, the, the 500 just didn't quite work there, but you know, the most important thing is they're still hosting, they're still going to host it around there. And, you know, at that time of year in May, it's going to be pivotal. It's going to be a good race uh, back to this sort of 120K on Saturday, 200Ks on Sunday. So still good racing down there. And uh, the drivers love it. That's mm-hmm. the one thing. But you've got to make it, like uh, Gordo said, 
you know, that part of um, away from that September time because what happens is with with the football is they'll, they'll at, in that period of when they host the race at Sandown next year, the football is played at night so people can go during the day and uh, come Sunday, the games, uh, there's actually no football on Sunday anymore uh, in terms of the uh, AFL so they should get a really good crowd and it's about setting the table on the Saturday for a great race on Sunday. Mm. We need to take a break but there's one question I have to ask both of you before we wrap up the show so I'll get you on the break for the white flag lap. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. White flag lap time here, and we still have Ben Beasley, Gordon Lomas. And guys, last chance I get to speak to you, I think, before the end of the year, but I do want to speak to you about Jamie Winkup. We've seen in uh, Formula One, Sebastian Vettel. We've seen in NASCAR, Jimmy Johnson. Do you think fans appreciate, Gordo, the level of performance that Jamie Winkup has been showing over the last four years? I think uh, I think the majority of people do, you know, regardless of where their allegiances lie. I mean, uh, you, you know, getting back to the, the HRT uh, dominant years from 2000 to 2002 and, uh, and Scaife winning all those championships, I certainly don't think there was a real appreciation of, of just how good those guys were at the time and, and just how good Scaife was, uh, you know, during that period. Um, harking forward to now and, uh, and talking about Jamie Wincup, it's a similar sort of a situation with Team Vodafone's dominance uh, and, and, and Wincup's driving. He might have lost the championship last year to James Courtney, but, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, he was, you know, he, he was a breath away for, for possibly winning four championships in a row. He's something special. And, uh, and Roland Dane, you know, I mean, he... He's uh, he he's put him in uh, in the breath of uh, of being you know possibly one of the one of the great touring car drivers of the world, not just uh, in V8 supercar land. So uh, I mean the guy uh, he just keeps backing up, doesn't he? You know, um, if if he gets knocked on the head, you know, in in one race or in one session, he bounces back immediately and gets back on top of things. He is just an absolute champion. He doesn't have the same personality and the same public appeal as Craig Lowndes, Ben. But I imagine that when you have to pitch a story, his name is becoming recognised enough to be able to carry it, but it's just he hasn't broken through like Lowndes was able to do, like Scaife was able to do, even though he's now in that elite category of drivers. I think one of the issues is, is that Craig is his teammate. And what happens is, is Craig has such a massive personality that when you're next to it and in the same team, you get a little bit, uh, you know, sort of in the shadow of it, which is probably, in all honesty, Jamie doesn't mind that because it allows him to go racing, and that's what he says he does well. If, he was, if Craig was maybe not alongside him and he was doing what he was doing, 
end. I am I'm absolutely sure that if uh, if Craig wasn't there and another driver was, in that period of six years now where they've been teammates, we probably would have seen two or three other teammates because they just wouldn't have been able to go with Jamie. That's been the thing. And this in, internal, you know, rivalry is not really the right word when you think of it, but it, it's this how they work together to drive that team forward, which is ultimately driven from the top by Roland Dane, is unbelievably, you know, well, you know, it holds together so well and it's because their personalities are so different. They're both races at the end of the day, but they race or they go racing in a totally different different mindset. A couple of times this year I've seen Jamie when he's down. I saw him straight after Bathurst in the, in the, in the truck and he was devastated. And, you know, he was looking at a situation at the end of Bathurst where he'd the championship lead had been turned on its head. He'd had the race taken away because he dominated with an electrical problem, and he 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 did, almost didn't know what to do, you know. And and it was Roland who's basically got his focus back in check. On the Saturday in this wet race, he was so concerned that he he he'd almost given away the same amount of points again to Lowndes. And they said, no, no, you've only lost, you know, thirty or forty points or whatever it was. And I'm sure that he was able to then reset himself and go out again. And like Gordo said, and I think I said earlier, how the guy, even when he's down, can just reset like that is incredible. And that's that's a sign of a, an unbelievably good driver. Mm. He doesn't get into deep troughs of, of poor performance. Even when Craig was beating him in races this year, he was still right up there anyway. And then you have the situations like in Queensland when... He was heading off on the warm-up lap from pole position, and they'd left um, the um, the covers on the trumpets on the engine. And he still drove drove his heart out. Came back to I think maybe scored a top ten still then. It was kind of like that drive to me was like watching Ambrose when Ambrose would come from the back in different situations. The guys who just absolutely put their head down and go for it, and and no and the opposition doesn't have anything for them. Mm. Gordo, is there a young gun that is going to be able to match Wing Cup for the next, well, probably four years whilst he's still at his physical and mental peak? Well, it, it's, you know, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a difficult question to answer um, because you're talking about the unknown, really. Um, but what we do know is that there's a, you know, there's a couple of young guys uh, at the moment in the main game who... Uh, who have got the hallmarks of, uh, of becoming and developing into uh, certainly into a into a, a championship winner and uh, you know young Shane Van Gisberg and uh, you know let's not lose sight of the fact that of how young he is but how much experience he's now got on board um, but uh, you know I mean he's fighting to uh, to clinch third in the championship this year and uh, certainly I think uh, I think. You know, Ross Stone and uh, and the guys at SBR really believe in uh, in the gears, and um, you know, I think uh, I think he's certainly got the the potential to develop into a multiple champion, uh, provided that he gets the right guidance and he's kept on track uh, at this very uh, delicate stage of his career. Ben, yeah, Shane's really the one because if you have a look at generally everybody else, and if you're going to talk about age and experience. You could talk about the, the likes of um, Mark Winterbottom, Will Davison. Uh, you know, Tander is still quick, and even Courtney. I know Courtney's won the championship last year. They're all, though, more or less two to three years around that same age group of Jamie. The next guy coming down, and you, you have to go all the way back to, down to Van Gisbergen, who's like 22 years of age, 
it's then obvious that he's the one. The, the, the focus on him is, is obviously pretty big now. He's won a couple of races this year. And things like Paul Dumbrell saying what he's saying about Van Gisbergen and, and some other things like that, that's where the focus is now changing for, for, for Shane. People are going to start to say things, you know, how do you deal with that situation? Do you just let it, you know, you know, water off a duck's back, which, you know, the good athletes, no matter if you're a racing car driver or a good athlete, can just ignore and let those things get on. You know, don't let any, you know, stop believing all, all your good press or your bad press, that sort of thing as well, and how he deals with that. Shane, you meet Shane, and he is still... Awfully quick, but awfully raw as well. And it's about how Ross and Jimmy can continue to mould him, to keep him as a fast driver, a fearless driver, but keep what is still a very young head on, on shoulders in in a situation where, you know, Ford especially need that new shining light. And if the new shining light, no matter who you drive through, is a 22-year-old and he's got a long a long career still ahead of him, you know, he's got seven or eight years on, on the likes of Wing Cup and Winterbottom and that, you know, yeah, he's got a long career. He's now starting to show it. Next year's going to be a pivotal year, and probably that first year of the car of the future, if, if Stones can really get a handle on that car straight away, they are probably going to be one of the ones that will take it up to the likes of the Team Vodafone crew. Mm. I actually, I'm interested you both went for Van Gisbergen because I personally think Tim Slade could be the next big thing or the next biggest thing in V8 supercars. So, too late to bring that topic in now, but very interesting to hear your thoughts, particularly on Wing Cup and the next potential next big thing. Gordo, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it, Craig. And also to you, Ben Beasley. Thanks, Craig. I know we're only looking at the, the calendar, not far from Christmas, and uh, one more race setting up, so get this race out of the way and we can all have a nice break. Yes, we can indeed. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the Vad Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.